Welcome to the Royal Christian Centre Sermon Podcast. We, we do well to recognise how privileged we are, how blessed we are to be able to find our rest, to be at peace with God. It's not something that we just kind of work up. It's not emotional. It's not the product of our times of sung worship, although it's wonderfully facilitated by them. But we recognize that it is God who has made peace with us. We were at war with God, wholesale, in utter and complete rebellion, considering our own wisdom, our own goodness, better than the wisdom or the goodness of God. It's an utter and frankly disgraceful tragedy, but that was the place that we found ourselves in. It is only through the cross that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the one who knew no sin, God cannot tolerate the presence of sin. As we heard this morning, Jesus Christ, he knew no sin, yet he became sin upon the cross. All the sin of the world was laid upon him. We heard this morning how it crushed him. He gave such a sacrifice, perfect once for all, so that we might be at peace with God. Have you surrendered to such a Jesus? Have you given your life to such a God? There's no one like him. There's no other hope. And this is true peace. I get the sense that many of you have. I don't think you're just being quiet tonight, are you? I feel like you're, are you at peace with God? Do you feel something of that? We're going to celebrate what it is to be at peace with God shortly as we come around our, our table of remembrance, this communion table. It speaks to us of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's peace for us. It is good news. Yeah? It's the gospel that we preach. Come on. You know, in a moment or two, you're going to take bread. And, you know, as you take the bread, would you speak to God? He's here and he wants to talk with you. And would you say, God, what are you saying to me? And not just what do you want me to do about it, but who would you have me speak this life to? Who would you have me speak this life to? You know, many of us will be going through our weeks and you'll, you'll make your butties come Monday or Tuesday and, you know, you'll have them at lunchtime, wherever you may be. If you don't like butties, can I, can I invite you to make butties this week, all right? Just this week, just one week. And you'll be there, and, and as you take your butties out, would I invite you, as you're with people at lunchtime, don't just stuff them into your mouth. I, you know, I understand that urge, but don't do it. Would you, would you break it? Would you break the bread? Would you remind yourself of the grace of Jesus Christ that you're carrying? Oh goodness, you're carrying just as really as you'll be carrying those butties. You're carrying this good news. And hey, look up across the table at whoever is there or across the staff room, canteen, cafe, wherever you may be, and consider how you might take this grace to somebody else. This is what we celebrate. It's what we know. And because we know it, we want to share it. Wasn't it good this morning? Those of you who are here, Uh, to be a disciple who makes disciples. What a possibility. 
What a promise. And do you know, as, as, as we were led through thinking about this, all of those wondrous reasons why we should want to, why we should care, but all of those incredibly practical ways that we can grow in our faith and help others to grow in our faith. Do you know, I think all, there were these free books this morning, and I think they were all gone, but I was tidying the chairs this evening, and good things happen when you tidy, they do. And I found one book. And do you know what? Because I love you, I'm not going to keep it. Who wants this book? Did anybody not get one this morning and they would like it? About what it is to, to grow with Christ Jesus. I saw Margaret's hand go up. Can I fling it to you, Margaret? Ladies in front of Margaret, you might want to duck. Uh, how, what are your reflexes like? Oh, hang on. There we go. I know. I, in recent weeks, I'm two for two. We can only go downhill from here. I have a dream. They're powerful words, aren't they? And you know, I don't really dream a lot. Well, they say everyone dreams, don't they? I don't remember many dreams. The ones I do remember are mostly weird, involve flying. One dream I had once upon a time involved me crossing a road, looking left and right, and a car landing on me from the sky. It's not a good dream, is it? Don't know what that says about the state of my mind. Oh, there you go. I, I don't remember many dreams, but they're powerful words. I have a dream. You know those words, don't you? And you know, you, you, you kind of know some of the stuff that went on afterwards. If you don't know exactly what it was about, you know it was about justice. It was about the fact that people have incredible value and worth, and no one should be placed over and above another. Uh, somehow, though, we get the idea that to be a dreamer is not such a good thing. Yeah? I don't know whether it's kind of in the classroom and you know, maybe the sun's shining outside or something's happening and your eyes get kind of taken away and there you are looking and your teacher says, stop dreaming. That's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? Teachers should never say such a thing. Carry on dreaming, but just do your maths as well. <laughs> dreaming. It's a wonderful thing. I was so um, moved this morning, well, by quite a few things, uh, but to hear that psalm expounded to us and to hear that verse brought to us as the dream of God, that generation after generation after generation, people may have the gospel shared with them, this glory, this good news of God, and that they may know God and walk with him and journey with him. It's an incredible promise, isn't it? I don't, did it get your imagination fired? Did it get you excited to think that God may have a dream? And that he's inviting us to dream the same dream. Dream a little dream with me. That's a beautiful song, isn't it? I wonder if we could do that a little bit this evening. And you know, as we come around this table of remembrance shortly, I want to do something very specific with you. We've been talking over recent weeks about what it is to battle what it is to long for and see breakthrough and to, to call upon and desire and draw upon the blessing of our God. And, you know, whilst we might not talk so much about that in subsequent Sundays, it is a season for us. It's a season of battling. I know many of you, you're struggling in, in lots of circumstances of life. And, and, you know, the Bible says, come on, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And, you know, we're called to be perceptive. The people in the Bible who knew their times and knew what to do about it and they're, they're held up as examples to us. Come on, do you know what's going on? We are to battle. And so this evening I thought it would be really, really good for us because, you know, we're an army. We're soldiers. This is our fight. I think we should do a bit of commissioning, yeah? yeah? 
don't know whether you're familiar with the military metaphors. Yeah. I, I probably should have like, designated this to some people who are more familiar with them than me. Um, I once was in Navy cadets because the RAF cadets was already full. Um, I wanted to fly planes. I didn't want to sail boats. I know nothing about the military, but I know something about what it is to fight arm in arm, hand in hand with the people of God, in the cause of God, under the banner of God, for the glory of God. Seeing his kingdom advance soul by soul, heart by heart. Justice, peace, rolling, flowing, rivers, cascading. Can you imagine such a thing? Does anybody want to be commissioned into such an army this evening? Yeah? That's what we're going to do in a moment or two. But what we're looking at really is fighting, fighting, fighting for the dream of God. And as I considered this, I was reminded of a few uh, ways that a dream can unfold. And it's worthwhile me saying I'm wholly, well, completely indebted to a wonderful pastor and thinker called Rick Warren in these uh, points that I'm going to lay before you. He has a way of thinking about scripture that, well, it astounds me, frankly. He, like I, would say, a dream is a good thing. How might that dream be encapsulated? What might it look like? Might that dream be the name of somebody? And no, I'm not talking about the person that you fancy. Uh, Might that dream be a name of somebody that you're longing to come to faith in Christ Jesus? Might that dream be a, a, a street where you live? And at the moment, you walk down the street and you see front yards of perhaps decay, shuttered windows of isolation and separation, but you dream of the light of Christ shining into those houses. Might that be your dream? A dream is an excellent thing. And I know that God is a dream. I know his dreams call us on and call us forward and call us out of the limitations of our imagination because God's dream is great and it is glorious. And the Bible teaches me this in Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now, we offer, we come, we pray to him who is able to do far more. Would anyone like to say far more with me this evening? Far more. This is not little bits. This is not itty little bits. This is not scraps. This is not leftovers. This is far more abundantly than all we ask or think. What's the biggest thing you could think of? What's the seemingly impossible stuff of your life? What is it that when you lay your head on your pillow at night, it comes to plague you perhaps? When you get up in the morning and your head rises from that same pillow, it's the thing that sparks in your mind and you're like, oh, if only this was the day. If this could be the day. It's far more. It's more than you could think of. It's more than you could imagine, whether your imagination takes you down or lifts you up. God's is greater and he will always lift you up to him who is able to do far more than all we ask or think according to the power at work within you, within us. There's a dream, there's a possibility Dreams are strange things, they're nebulous, they're hard to pin down. But the the dream of the Christian people, the dream of the kingdom of God, the dream of God himself, it's not like that. 
There's some clarity to it. And the Bible teaches us right here, right at the beginning of our thinking tonight, that God has placed within his people everything that is necessary to realize that dream. It's within us. I have a dream. You know the guy who said that, Martin Luther King. And uh, he was a flawed human being in many ways, but you know, he had something of a sense of justice that God himself, I believe, had placed within that man's heart and his mind. And you know, he spoke like a prophet of old, didn't he? Uh, oftentimes, and you know, when you read about the man or you consider his life, he was racked by his own inadequacy. He felt that he couldn't, that maybe it wouldn't happen. And he spoke so positively, so confidently. He rallied people to his cause. There was excitement, there was possibility, even in a cause that was non-violent and so costly. And yet he wondered, could it be, could it happen? I know perhaps there is a long way to go, even in the United States. Certainly there's a great long way to go in our world to see true and lasting justice. Only Jesus will bring these things perfectly. But those people who would march and they would be beaten and they would be spat upon and they would be denied some of the basic things of human life, they didn't know, could they make it, could they do? And yet they achieved incredible things. It changed the face of a nation. Laws were overturned and culture shifted in a radical and dynamic way. And it is because there was power at work within them. How much more within us? Do you have a dream? Do you dream of being a disciple who makes disciples? I would say to you that is the greatest possible dream. Were you inspired to hear this morning that it's when you invest yourself, your life, in a life, in one. I was so moved by this, having had a bit of a, a Facebook messenger conversation this week with somebody. And, and this, this lady, she was saying to me how she was so excited by something that was happening with a neighbour. But then as we do, because you know we're British, uh, I know you're not all British, but somehow you might have been infected by this. Uh, we we kind of downplay it. And she was saying, it's exciting, but it's not exciting. It's really good, but it's quite small. And you know how we do this? Does anybody ever do that? And I, I just felt moved to say to her, that's how it works. You know, your neighbor is the person that you're supposed to realize this incredible dream with. Is it by chance that you've had the opportunity to do what you've done? And, you know, she's going to tell me some of the, the details more when I see her properly. And I'm excited to hear it. I was moved to say to her, well, actually, hang on, hang on. You say it's not big, but I, I would say to you, small is big. Yeah? Small is big. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going with your dream. A dream is a dream. And it'll only ever be a dream unless you take a decision. A decision to turn a dream into reality. James 1, verses 6 onwards say, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. For every 10 dreamers, maybe there's only one person who sees something actually happen. 
or maybe within our own lives, for every 10 dreams that we have, maybe we only ever realise one. I don't know what your kind of conversion rate is with this, whether you maybe turn your dreams into reality oftentimes, but you know, every time that a dream becomes reality, it's because of a decision. It's because, well, actually, I, I will. What were we called to do this morning? Maybe take an hour and invest it in making a disciple. It's a decision, isn't it? Do you know, we could have a fantastic morning hearing about the possibility, hearing about the very dream of God, but unless we take the decision to do something, to plan, to grow, then a dream remains a dream. Once was a time with the people of God and they had been led astray and the prophet of God comes to them and you know, in a, a great version of the Bible, uh, the prophet comes and he says to them, come on, th- these are the options laid out in front of you. How long will you continue to hobble at this fork? And if you dig further into the language that he's speaking, he's speaking of uh, like, like a bird hopping between branches or twigs, never settling. Have you seen little birds like that? It seems the smaller the bird, the more energy. I don't know. <laughs> And, and you see a little tiny starling or a wren or a finch or something and they can't sit still. It's, like, it's a bit like you, Pastor Greg. You never stop moving. Would you just stand still? They're just hopping, 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 hopping. Christians, how would you do at sticking at the dream of God? At making a decision, seeing it through, counting the cost, paying it, Sticking at it until you see these things come to reality. See the fruit grow and see the newborn Christians hatch. I'm not sure whether Christians come in eggs, but if they did. How would we do at making a decision to see a dream become reality? I would tell you it's the only way to move, but it's the toughest and trickiest and most costly way. Though it be glorious, though it be wonderful, though it be full of promise. As we follow this through, as we dream, as we make a decision, well, next most often comes, well, not the fullness, the fruition of it. Rather, delay. You remember those old um, Heinz tomato ketchup adverts? Remember them? Do you remember those old glass bottles of ketchup for a start? Yeah. They're kind of so retro now that they're really popular again, aren't they? Do you remember those old adverts? I don't know whether you remember the one um, with, as it turned out, the guy who was going to become Joey and friends, yeah? And do you remember that advert? And, and he was going to get a hot dog in, in New York. It was on those classical American scenes and there he is and he gets the hot dog with all the trimmings and the ketchup won't come out of the bottle. And so what he decides to do, he kind of preempts this and he goes all the way up one of those brownstone buildings in New York and puts the bottle of ketchup on the ledge and and brackets it with a brick so it won't move and he leaves it there and everyone watching the telly because in those days you used to watch adverts and not just record and fast forward through them or anything you used to watch the advert and you're like what is happening here and so and, and he would he darted down he ran down ran down ran down ran down ran down got his hot dog and if if memory serves rightly he didn't just wait for it to go but I think he did it back did he do it backwards I, I don't know I'm, I'm embellishing now the ketchup came and landed on the hot dog and you know, in a perfect line, as it was. And then they would say, the best things come to those who wait. Yeah. And now we just squeeze a bottle. <laughs> Don't want to wait for much. 
You want to see the dream of God come to reality. I would suggest to you that delay comes more often than not. And delay can be a tricky thing, but the Bible teaches us this in Habakkuk chapter two, for still the vision, that's another word for dream, the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Do you know why it won't lie? Because it's God's dream. It's God's vision. The Bible says, is God like a bloke? Can he lie? Of course he can't. When God says something, he does it. God follows through. He delivers. He does not disappoint. It will delay them. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. That's strange, isn't it? Didn't you say it will delay and now you're saying it won't delay? Come on, make up your mind. Telling us to make a decision. You make one, Greg. Well, the Bible says elsewhere that God is not slow as some people consider slowness, count slowness. Rather, he is patient. He's patient. God's dream, that thing that he's dropped into your heart, into your mind, that dream for your loved ones, for your friends, that dream for change in those substantial, fundamental ways in our towns and cities and societies and communities. God is patient, longing for that exact same dream. Do you know that God was waiting for you that he might drop that dream into your heart for now is the time. It's how God always works. A lady named Esther found herself in a really strange bunch of circumstances, but it was so that God might drop a dream into her heart. And it was a dream that had to be cultivated a little by uh, people of faith who you know, knew a little thing more than she did at the time. But a word went to her and said, you know, isn't it maybe just for this time, for this moment, for this occasion? That you're where you are, who you are, knowing who you are, doing what you're doing. Delay and not delay. Perfect timing of God, perhaps. Following delay comes difficulty. Difficulty. Battle. I know some of you know it. It's a strange thing that we're longing for something good in God and the battle comes. Honestly, it comes in the strangest ways sometimes, doesn't it? You know, you think it might always come head on. So I want this and it's over there, so then the battle will come in this way. It doesn't often happen like that, does it? You know, you say, well, I'm going to go here and I'm going to achieve this and then battle swings in out of left field. And, uh, you know, it's never a little jab on the nose, is it? It's always a hook from the side. Difficulty. 1 Peter 1 tells us, in this you rejoice. Not in getting hooked from the side, but in the dream, in the possibility we rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire your faith more genuine more precious than that may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ tested genuineness don't give up because of the difficulties don't give up because of the battle 
Recognize the refining process of God. Recognize how all of a sudden something that you thought, is this of God? Maybe this is of God? When the difficulty comes and smacks you full on in the face or takes you out from the side, can I encourage you? It means you're on the right track. Surely it's the greatest affirmation that your dream is a God dream when the difficulties come. And be encouraged as well. The Bible says it's for a little while. You know, I don't think it's not Christian to jump on these things. You know, we sometimes think, well, I need to persevere for years. <laughs> please, God, could it just be a few months or weeks on this one, please, and then we'll move on. You know, it's possible. Funniest thing, though, is oftentimes when we follow difficulty, we don't then come to the breakthrough or to the realization or the blessing or to the, you know, the dream becoming reality. Actually, oftentimes difficulties are followed by dead ends. Yeah? What seemed difficult will suddenly seem impossible. Paul spoke to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 1. He said, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Have you hit a dead end? Does it seem like there's no way forward? Does it seem like the difficulties that are pushing and assailing against you are so strong and so vivid and so sapping and the dream that you once had seems so far off that actually it seems now like maybe it's just a dead end. Maybe it's finished, it's over. Those moments of the impossible become moments for the miraculous. What did Paul say? He said, you know, it was as though we were on the point of death. You can kind of hear the cogs whirring in his mind or what's going on in his heart. And he's reminded, hang on, who, who, who was it who went to the point of death? It was Jesus, wasn't it? Is it maybe that God is taking us to the point of death so that we might be reminded of the one who raised Christ Jesus from the dead? Christians, I think far too often we find ourselves doing things, working and persevering in ways that are entirely within our own ability. You know, we, we do stuff as Christians. We try stuff. We, we put a little bit of investment. We do this and we do that. And, you know, it's, it's so capable for us. It's so natural. You know, you have, no doubt, incredible capacity to achieve so many things in your natural self. I wonder how often actually we've pushed through on God dreams to find that things are utterly impossible. Shouldn't we be finding that things are out of our ability more often? Shouldn't we be finding that actually this is too big for us, too great for us more often? It's places of the impossible that lead us to long for the miraculous. It's dead ends where only a miracle will do. When we come to those places of dead ends, when we come to the end of ourself, definitely, then comes deliverance. Psalm 27 says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong 
and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Breakthrough doesn't look like you doing things a bit better, being a bit stronger. That's not the kind of strength that the psalmist is talking about. It doesn't look like you thinking, oh, well, actually, here's a good idea. Breakthrough is deliverance. It's deliverance. You push yourself and you fight and you go hard and you go fast and you go far in God. And you get utterly and completely to the end of yourself. And do you know what? When you feel like you have nothing else left, you probably don't. Trying a bit harder ain't going to cut it. But God will come to you in those places and he will bring the breakthrough. It's God who brings the deliverance. You know, we think that if we can't do it, then we've failed. I would suggest to you that if you can't do it, then that's the moment for God to succeed. Get yourself to the point when you can't do it. When you're given everything you have, when you're spent utterly and completely, and see God bring his deliverance. See God bring breakthrough. See God work mightily. Astound us. This evening it's time for us to take up the baton we heard this morning. Make decision. Receive the commission of our captain, Jesus Christ. And, you know, it is costly. There's no two ways about it. I think that was made plain to us this morning. It's right for me to say it again. Jesus Christ calls to us and, and he invites us uh, to be a part of a God dream. A God dream of lives changed. And this evening, I want us, and I don't think it's being at all disrespectful to Jesus, <laughs> I want us to make this table of communion a table of commissioning. And perhaps those who are leading us in, in worship and those who are leading us around the table could come and join. That would be fantastic. There's a couple of types of commission, as far as I understand it. There's the kind of commission that comes when a person who has perhaps gone to military academy or whatever it might be or gone through their training and their service and they come to that point, I guess, of graduation and they've studied, learned. Maybe they've been on exercises and they've invested and it's been tough and they've given plenty. And there comes that moment of, I think there's a passing out parade, isn't there? It's not because they're really tired and they fall over. It's not that kind of passing out. The passing out parade and the commission comes. They've not yet been bloodied in battle. They've given plenty though. They're determined. They're definite about their calling. They want to do this. But the time for the fight is still to come, in fact. It's one type of commissioning. There's another type of commissioning that comes as well from my reading of historical fiction. That's all I got, sorry. It's a battlefield commission. Battlefield commissions come oftentimes when the fighting is fierce, when the challenge is great. Battlefield commissions come 
Oftentimes when those who are nobly serving, who find themselves always at the front line, who know what the dream is, who know what they're wanting to see become reality, they give everything and they're taken out. And there comes a need for another to step up and it won't wait. There's a need for leadership. There's a need for investment. There's a need for a fight. It's a battlefield commission. And in that moment when the need is recognized and the need for a leader, the need for a fighter, somebody probably disheveled, probably tired, probably bloodied by the battle already, somebody is called upon in recognition of their devotion to the cause and elevated, commissioned. And maybe a, a private becomes a corporal or a captain becomes a major. I think I've got that the right way around. And up and up and up. But those who didn't think they were really leaders, because they're in the fight, because they're really giving everything they had, they're being recognized as those who lead in the fight. I don't know which it is that you are this evening. It may be that so far in your life, this has all been school. It's been learning. It's been squad bashing. It's been exercises. But there's been no sense of the reality of the fight. Come on, now's the time to step up. Now's your passing out parade. School's over. There's a need for you on the battlefield. Or maybe you find yourself as a person who's been serving on the battlefield and you know what it is to take the hits. You know what it is to find the dream delayed or the difficulties overwhelm you to the point of despair perhaps. Come on, deliverance is coming but you need to step up now. You need to step up now. There are saints who have gone before you. There are fighters who have given their all in the cause of your salvation. There's a need to commission you. So whether you're saying this evening, school's over, school's over, I want to get about this. Or whether you're saying, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. But there's a need for some leadership in this fight. Maybe some people around me have been taken out or given their all and now's the time for me to step up. Now's the time for me to go further than I thought I could because my God is a God who delivers.